My uh, talk this morning is, uh, I guess if I was going to title it, I'd entitle it, uh, Notes on the Goodness of God in Answering Prayer. <clears throat> okay, well, we just prayed, what God, what, what's God going to do now? What's, what's, uh, what's, the, uh, what's the effect of that? What's the impact of what we've just done together? Uh, oftentimes it um, slides right by us <clears throat> like... Uh, we just did something that we're supposed to do because we're Christians, but do we really believe that God heard all those things? Is God going to answer all those things? Is is Are there going to be differences because we prayed that, or is it just something uh, Christian-ness that we're supposed to do? Uh, so many of our prayers seem seemingly go into one of three categories, um, and these would all, besides the answered prayers, uh, the one would be uh, ungranted, uh, God's, God's saying no. Uh, and occasionally we'll get those type type of things. Um, quick little story. Years ago, when I was living in um, in Detroit, in the inner city, a very rough neighborhood, I went to visit a friend. He lived out in the West Coast in Washington State, and he had a beautiful. He was a doctor. He had like five acres, and his, and his five acres backed onto a a, 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 a park that had a, a lake and a tree. And I was sitting under the tree. And I was looking out this lake, and I was getting tired of the chaos of Detroit and the difficulty of ministry. And I, I prayed, Lord, can I have a, can I have a, a tree like this in my backyard and a lake behind it and a park to go walking in? <clears throat> the next day, I'm in San Francisco preaching an outdoor street rally, and a young man walks up to me, long hair, hippie kind of guy, and goes, <clears throat> I had this picture of you sitting under a tree, looking at a lake. And you were praying to God. You wanted to move from where you live to move to a place that was beautiful like this. And I went, that I've never heard anybody so accurate in a prophetic word. And he goes, and the Lord has an answer for you. And, and because of the excitement of hearing God having heard me, I was expecting an affirmative. And he says, uh, the Lord has a word for you. And the answer is no. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, that's, that was, that's pretty clear. Uh, it was an ungranted prayer. Uh, the, those are easier to take, I think, than what we might call an unanswered prayer. Uh, and, and by unanswered, I don't mean uh, you got a negative answer. Uh, I mean, you don't know the answer. You're, you're praying the same prayer over and over again because you're not sure it was answered. That leads us to the third and most difficult category of, of our relationship with God and the goodness of God in answering prayer is where we feel our prayers are unheard. So it's difficult when they're ungranted. He says no, or when when they're unanswered, we don't have the answer yet. But 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 the most difficult is when we don't know if he's even hearing us. It's like we've been praying, "How long, O Lord? How long?" We're searching for God to do something, and we don't even know that. We're not even certain that that God is hearing and answering or saying. Not only is he not saying yes to our request, we're not even sure uh, certain that he's that he's been actually listening to our request. I want to suggest to you that this sentiment in our heart or this curiosity in our mind is not natural to us as children of God. It comes from an outside source, a, for, a foreign entity. It comes from the serpent that came to the garden and began to accuse uh, God. Uh, it's an accusation of the goodness of God that, that Eve saw in the garden. Did God really say? Did God really? You see the question there? Did God really answer no? Did he, did he really have the audacity to not give you what you needed? Or did God not even care enough to answer your prayer? Or did, is, is, is God even a God who hears? Is, is, he, is he busy? It's the accusation of the enemy. That was flipped, remember, when Elijah 
was accusing the false gods of the Baals, and he began to accuse them and said, is your God asleep? Is he, I think at one point he says, is he on the toilet? You know, it's just, uh, uh, it, that, that's the accusation of an enemy. It's taunting you about your God. And that is exactly what Satan does. He taunts us about God. Uh, did God really say? Does God really care? Does he really know your needs? Is he really uh, thinking about you in your most troubled times? These are not independent thoughts you have, but this is the enemy questioning God's uh, power and goodness to answer prayer. And I would suggest secondly to you, not only does is it Satan that's introducing these thoughts into our minds, but that he has an ulterior motive for it, a purpose, not just to to get you to agree with him that God sometimes doesn't answer your prayers in the affirmative, but really he's after something else. He really want, it's not about prayer, it's about the goodness of God. He, he, he would desire us. You see, we, we can sustain a life where God didn't say yes to our prayers, but we can't sustain a relationship with God if we're uncertain of his goodness. There's many of us that think that uh, very rarely in my 40 years of pastoral ministry have I ever had anybody question God's power. Well, he's just not powerful enough to do anything about this. 99.9% .9 of it is, is God good enough? Is he caring enough? Is he loving enough? It's there, There's very rare, rarely an accusation, even from the enemy, of God's power. As a matter of fact, sometimes the enemy will... Um, will um, almost highlight his power. Look how powerful he is. He can almost then to say, well, if he's that powerful, why isn't he good enough to do something in your life? If he's it, Look how powerful he is, and yet you're not getting that power applied to your life. Therefore, it's a question of the goodness of God, not the, the power of God. You see, Satan asked God something or wanted something from God. It was a desire of his heart. And Satan as Lucifer in heaven, knew the same thing that that, that we know now, <clears throat> that God is a God who is a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. Lucifer would have known that as a good angel. And so he began to ask God for an ascendancy to the throne. Let me make myself equal with you. I have the same kind of power, the same kind of goodness, the same kind of strength, the same kind of wisdom that you do. So let me ascend to the throne. And God said, not only said no to him, but he cast him down. <clears throat> so so Satan didn't get his prayer answered. And that's where I think is now is one of the centerpieces of his rage is God wasn't good enough to me to give me what I wanted. As a matter of fact, he sent me to a place now that is unwanted. And therefore, my rage and my fury is against the goodness of God, the people of God, and the God of goodness who answers prayer for the people. Take his accusation and you might just... Uh, you take take any of his <clears throat> accusations and you might just see how much <clears throat> goodness of God has done for you. And that's a strange sentence. Take Satan's accusations and <clears throat> flip them because you'll find out that's really where God has been good to you. <clears throat> does God really, you know, some of us question, uh, does God really love me? Am, am I worthy of his love? Well, I would suggest to you if that came from the father of lies, that question, that doubt, then <clears throat> He's hitting on a truth. He's 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 uh, flipping it to sound like a lie, but he's hitting it on truth. Your your marriage won't last. Your health isn't going to come together. You're you're not sanctified. You'll never overcome that habitual pattern of sin. You'll never be one who's patient with others. <clears throat> I would suggest to you that those accusations are lies from the enemy, 
um, accusing us, our faith, our family, our our uh, our sanctification, all those things are. Uh, and so if you turn back on Satan, then you're going to go, well, wait a minute. He's accusing that as being a weakness. Maybe it's a strength. Maybe I do have faith. Maybe maybe I am valuable to God. Maybe I am deeply loved by him. And so those things that seem to become accusations actually become blessings to us as we turn around and, and see God's power in them. <clears throat> the, the question then comes to mind, um, you know, the, the whole scriptures of ask and it shall be given unto you. Uh, knock and seek and it'll be open. You find, well, well, sometimes we ask and we don't find or we, we, we don't seem to get what we're wanting. That That's found in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, take a brief look there, Matthew chapter 7. And just this past couple days, I saw something in Matthew 7 I've never seen before. And that's always a, a, a great joy. Matthew 7, uh, 9 says, for which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you, a serpent, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who is in heaven, uh, give good gifts to those who ask him? And then verse 12 says, so, okay, pause there for a second. If I tell you a sentence, uh, I'm going outside, so there, there's something else coming that's attached to the first part of the sentence. I'm going outside so I can get the mail. The, the two sentences are connected. I'm not just saying I'm going outside, period. I'm going to get the mail. Those are two those are two different thoughts. This is one thought. Verse 12 is is closely linked to verse 11. So he's saying, if you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more do you father? Or if you ask for if you're asking for bread or if you're asking for fish, uh, how much more of the good father give to you? So whatever you wish, what others would do for you, do also for them. Interesting thing about prayer here. This is a little bit of a, I told you this, this would be notes on the goodness of God in answering prayer. One of the things that we rarely address when it comes to our prayers is that God, it seems to be suggesting to us here that, that God is asking us whatever we're praying for, start doing that thing for other people. Um, Lord, I, I need some finances. Can you help me with my finances? So go out and give a little bit to somebody else. Lord, I feel lonely. I don't have any friends. Have you ever heard anybody that you're counseling or praying for? They say, just, I go to church and nobody loves me there. It's like, so go out and start loving other people. Um, <clears throat> some of what God is doing in our prayers and his goodness is trying to motivate us to be a participant in giving those good gifts that we desire ourselves. He's, he's awakening in us saying, if, if we have that desire, then other people would have that desire as well. So, so in, in in moving with God and seeing prayers answered, I would suggest to you that you put legs to your own prayers. Uh, secondly, I would say is, is that knowing the heart of God, knowing the mind of God, um, you know, almost all of the times where Jesus says, "Ask and it shall be given unto you," or "Ask anything in my name," it's almost always attached to. Uh, well, let's, let's look at that. John chapter 15. Um, John chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Well, we certainly like the part about, again, we almost see these as two different things. I love a devotional life and I love abiding in the Lord. I love studying the word. That's one thing. And then there's another thing over here. That's prayer. And ask it and, I'll, and I shall receive but but Jesus links these two inseparably these two things together. 
uh, <clears throat> by saying, if you're going to ask, whatever it is you wish, it'll be done for you. It's, it can only be done by abiding in him. And abiding in him impacts our wishes. Without abiding in him, I tend to wish for very carnal things, very selfish things, very emotional things, sometimes even angry things. I'm not getting what I want from you, God. And so I'm not asking, I'm asking what James calls asking amiss, asking out of carnal, fleshly, earthly, which James goes so strong in that, so calls them even demonic desires. Satan uh, it, putting things in my mind saying, you want this, go ask God for it. Knowing that God's a good God, he's not going to give it to you. And then you're going to begin to be suspicious of the goodness of God. And so Jesus says here, start every prayer with abiding in me. Every desire you have, let it be birthed out of abiding in me. Therefore, you'll never get to the point where you're wishing for things that I'm not wishing for. Your mind is on him. This will save you a lot of angst, a lot of stress, a lot of worry, a lot of sleepless nights. This abiding in him will give you a peace that passes understanding. The situation you may not understand, but abiding in him gives a peace that is supernatural and gives you the ability to rest even in the midst of the worst storms. Jesus sleeping in the boat while the disciples were saying, we're going to die. See, the, 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 the lack of abiding is we're going to die. This, you know, when my kids were having trouble, it was, they're not going to live. They're not going to make it. There, there's an overdose coming. Uh, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was, you know, without the abiding, my, we're, you know, our mind goes to, to the things. And then we, you know, we're praying things. Lord, I don't want to die. Lord, I don't want to die. I don't want to die of the storm. Well, you know, if you're abiding in him, you're going to know what to wish and what to desire. And that would be rest in the middle of the storms there. So it's, it's, there's a, there's another passage of scripture here that I think is important when it comes to this abiding to understand the goodness of God in prayer. And that's in Job chapter 22, verse 21. This is, this is the, every scripture I've read so far is very well known. This one is kind of rarely spoken of, but it's a good one. Acquaint thyself with God and uh, and things shall go, uh, uh, I can't even read my own writing. Acquaint thyself with God and thereby good shall come unto thee. Uh, acquaint thyself with God and thereby good shall come unto thee. Well, does that mean uh, I use God? Uh, okay, I want good to come to me. And the path to get it is acquaint myself with God. So, okay, because my biggest desire is to get what I want, I will go to my secondary desire, acquaint myself with God. No, that's flipping it around. You see, Job is saying here, the, the goal is to acquaint yourself with God. And, and, and good things will come out of that. Uh, primarily that you'll know him, but secondarily as well. Um, that that there, there is good, there is the goodness of God, and especially when you're walking in the things of the Spirit, um, we need to be careful about uh, how we categorize ungranted, unanswered, or unheard prayers, because we tend to do that in our impatience. Another verse of Psalms 31, 21, and 22 said, "This is King David. He said, I said in my haste." I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplication. So he's looking back on a situation in his life. I don't know if it was a battle he was in or a family situation, but at the end of it, now he's looking back. He's saying, thou heardest me in the voice of my supplication. You did hear me. But if you look at the whole sentence there, the, the whole story, he starts off. I said in my haste, I am cut off before thee. 
I'm not being heard by you. I'm not receiving the goodness of God. Now, later on, he realized, oh, shoot, he was good. And I was accusing him of not being good. How many of you have done that before? Uh, I'm finally getting to the maturity point, And this is a little bit of boasting here where uh, I, I've complained against God my whole life. Now I'm getting so mature that when I am complaining against him, I know that I'm wrong already. And so that's the, the probably the main difference. I, I'm complaining. I'm going like, oh, my goodness, this is so stupid of me, because every time I complain about God not doing what I wanted to do, he ends up doing what he wanted to do. And it's better than what I wanted him to do. So why am I complaining in the first place? That's what it appears to me that David is saying. I said in my haste, I, mean, I said it too soon. I'm cut off. I'm not heard. It's unanswered. It's not going the way I wanted it to go. He's not hearing me. He's not hearing the cry of my soul. Be careful about haste. <clears throat> in haste, um, uh, in, in haste, we're going to make uh, the, uh, some mistakes, uh, a, a, a rashness, um, uh, haste of, of the demands. When when we live in that kind of haste, we we not we're not very good at enduring difficulties. When God seems to be delaying things or or saying no to some things. Um, <clears throat> even though there are better things he is bringing to our attention at the time. Uh, if You don't have to turn it, but in Numbers, the 11th chapter of Numbers, uh, Israel has just been freed from 400 years of bondage to slavery. The end of that slavery got so bad they were being forced to make bricks without straw. The beatings on their backs were getting increased. The, 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 and then there was, there, there was the, 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 the difficulty they get, they get out of, uh, Egypt and they're being chased now by Pharaoh and the armies. They the Red Sea opens for them. I mean, how miraculous is that? They cross over the other side. Then they see their enemies totally crushed by this, and they're in the desert for a little bit of while. And all of a sudden they begin to complain. And in, in Numbers eleven five, you know what the complaint is? We don't have any onions. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that wild? Uh, oh, okay. God didn't answer our prayer. We prayed for onions, and we don't get onions. And, and see, that's so much of our, the accusation of the goodness of God uh, gets to the place where the thing that we want right now, in our haste, we're saying we're not getting. Well, be careful about our haste, first of all. Eventually, the, the children of Israel got onions again. I'm sure they planted them when they got in the land of milk and honey and onions. Uh, but during the time there, it was in their haste, they were saying, God's not good to us. They began to murmur and grumble and complain against God rather than being thankful and grateful for all that God had done for them. And uh, so I want to encourage you not to uh, um, not to begin to get suspicious of God's goodness when there's one unanswered prayer right now. Uh, don't be hasty about that. Be patient in that. But while you're waiting for that one to be answered, Spend a lot of time giving thanks for all the things he has done for us. Are you are you breathing right now? That's something to be thankful for. Did, did you awake this morning? Did you have food on the breakfast table and we have a refrigerator ready for things for you the rest of the day? Do you have a hope in your life for your future, a, a calling? Um, are you saved, sanctified, filled with God's Holy Spirit? Uh, are, are you in relationship with God? Have you been chosen and adopted as a son or daughter of his? Are you headed for an eternity of trouble-free bliss? Uh, is he not present to you right now? Has he not helped you, your spouses, your children, your finances? Um, has he not uh, called you to a vocation? Has he not uh, quelled uh, certainly certain ungodly passions you've had in your life? 
has he not ceased ceased addictions from uh, either cropping up or ones that did that he ended in your life? Uh, has he not been long suffering to you? Has he not uh, included you in uh, great um, insights into who he is? Has he not given you great heights of wisdom? Has he not poured out upon you joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long suffering? These are every good gift comes from the Father above, without changing. He doesn't. There's no shadow of changing within him, within within him. All right, let me wrap things up here. Uh, here's a quote by uh, one of my favorite uh, authors, Stephen Charnock. Uh, in the late 1600s, he said, uh, "The wonderful efficacy of prayer depends not upon the nature of our petitions or the temperament of our soul." but on the goodness of God to whom we address. <clears throat> That's the last thing I want to say about the goodness of God in our prayers is oftentimes he, he expects us to come in faith. We know that in scripture and, and long, longs and loves that. Um, he wants us to come without grumbling and murmuring. We know and understand that. But I want to suggest to you again in closing that the goodness of God is so amazing that even when you don't have faith, his goodness allows you to be heard. Even when you are grumbling and you're complaining and you're troubled in soul, his goodness allows your, your heart to be heard in his presence. Um, it's, the prayers of the righteous availeth much, but sometimes the prayers of those who are struggling with righteousness still avail. We wouldn't become righteous if our prayer was, Lord, I'm unrighteous, help me to become righteous, if our unrighteous prayers didn't avail much as well. And so don't look at your faith uh, as the means, the only means of answering or of your temperament. <clears throat> Look at God's goodness of the source. Why is that important? Because as soon as you start looking at the goodness of God's source, it lists your faith. It changes your temperament. It, it, it affects your ability to come before God with the kind of heart <clears throat> that God longs and loves to hear that, <clears throat> that is goodness. Last quote. Uh, <clears throat> he would rather you should ask, uh, this is Charnick again, he would rather you should ask of the greatest things that heaven can afford <clears throat> than the triflings that this world could offer because his bounty is not so discovered in meaner, meaning smaller gifts. Uh, he loves to have an opportunity to manifest his affection above the liberality and the tenderness of worldly fathers. He doth uh, move, he doth more want to give in a way of grace then we beg. Um, so think about that, about God's goodness. Uh, his goodness is more bountiful than our desire to receive his bounty. We, we want good things from God, but oftentimes we're asking, uh, you know, only a few small things uh, rather than the, the, the glory of God. Uh, and his liberality often exceeds our designs as well as our deserts, what we deserve, and gives out more than we had wisdom or confidence to ask. I love that. You know, it's like, ask big, go crazy, ask radical, ask for things astronomical, uh, because God's heart is good and it's big. And the caveat would be to ask in, in the realm of being abiding in him. Uh, you see, it will change the big things you ask. If in our carnal nature you hear me say, ask big, ask amazing, like, okay, well, that would be, uh, you know, a Ford F-250 Tundra, uh, that's the big truck I want, you know. Well, when, when I say ask big, great, I, I think maybe God's thinking something different than maybe we're thinking. So that's why that abiding in him 
uh, becomes central to what we're doing. So let me pray for us in closing. And, um, and, and I hope this encourages you. And so, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your graciousness. We thank you for, we take a moment to thank you without asking for anything right now and thanking you for all that you've done for us. I'm, uh, I'm not a judge, but I'm quite certain everybody at World Challenge has received uh, the blood of Jesus Christ, cleansing us from all unrighteousness, securing us into the family of God, giving us an eternal life in heaven with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, with uh, with with a life between now and then even of of joy unspeakable, full of glory, of of breath, of friendships, of 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 uh, a faith, of a calling, of a vocation, of a you put bread on our table. We we give thanks, God. We're we don't want to be like Israel, who uh, was brought out of bondage and was headed to the promised land and was worried about one small thing that they didn't have. So we give thanks for all that we have, and we even give thanks for the things we don't have because sometimes the withholding hand of your goodness is is creating something even greater than we were we might be asking and receiving from that. So we give thanks. We give thanks. We give thanks. And, and um, in, in Thanksgiving, we make our, our request known. And we say once again, thank you for your goodness that you've heard our prayers and heaven is already at work in bringing uh, things to pass that, that are answers. There are answers. Some are already done. Some are being formed. Uh, and some we're just waiting on. And in our haste, we will say thank you in advance so that we're not uh, accusing you of not being good. We're we're waiting on the goodness of the Lord, and you're good in all things. You're good when things go the way we wanted them to, and sometimes those expectations of things that didn't turn out the way we had expected, we know that even those all things work together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. You have a purpose, and that purpose is good. We thank you that the ultimate purposes of God are always good. We never have to worry or fear or be in anxiety or stress or, or doubt or discouragement or anger frustration, all those things are unnecessary because when we know the, your goodness, we know that these things will work together for our good. And we give thanks for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.